Welcome today to our midweek Bible study called Morning Glory. Why don't you take your Bibles and meet me today in the book of Acts chapter 3, verse 1, and we'll take off from there today. And let's pray. Heavenly Father, we ask that as we jump into your word that your Holy Spirit would come, quickening the scriptures and giving us clear understanding of your word. Father, we give you all the praise in Jesus' name, and together we say, Amen. Praise God. Acts chapter 3, verse 1, Now Peter and John went up together to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. Well, they had various hours of prayer, and this would be the morning hour of prayer. So they're there for the hour of prayer. This would be what we could describe more as corporate prayer. This is not your private prayer life. This is your this is your corporate time when you come together, maybe a church prayer meeting or a prayer meeting where you're just, you know, you're praying together with other intercessors and God's put things on your heart and so you're praying. Praise God. This is a corporate prayer meeting. Now, I have talked to various people over the years in the church uh, and you know sometimes people have different ideas or philosophies on prayer and there's a lot of liberty in how you can pray but sometimes people say well you know pastor Stephen I don't really have a set time or a set place when I pray I just try to always stay in communication with God in other words they 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 pray when they're taking a shower they say they pray when they're driving their car in bumper to bumper traffic but they don't ever really stop for what could be called the devotional time so they're they're just trying to uh, in a sense maintain the presence of the lord through you know praying all the time i understand that there is a place where we are aware of the lord's presence we want to be sensitive to the holy spirit but my friends, if you never really have a set prayer time, uh, you're going to come up short. And I want to talk about that today. This is not legalism, uh, but it's not laziness either. There's a right balance, I believe. And I think the Lord wants us to understand these things because there's different philosophies, different theories about prayer. I just want to share with you what I believe works and uh, what I have seen over the years in the lives of others that really, I, I from what I see, it doesn't, uh, other forms don't work. In other words, the like, I don't really have a set prayer time. I just kind of, you know, like, uh, I just kind of pray all the time and I don't I don't see victory in that and, and stop and think about it just for a moment from a, a natural standpoint how would your marriage be if you never had quiet time private time let's stop everything else and talk time how how, how can a husband and wife have a strong marriage if you never have your times together you know, you're always running around and working. Well, I can talk to my wife at work, you know, or I, I can talk to my wife while, you know, we're mowing the grass together. But what about just stop and talk? And in other words, put more quality and a stronger investment into your marriage. Well, sure, anybody would in the natural would say your marriage is not going to work if you don't have those special times together. And really, if you don't have them every day, if you don't have a time every day where you and your spouse sit down and talk and kind of go over things, then it's very easy to, to drift and it's very easy to just get into um, a routine. And before you know it, you know, the love, the love factor starts to be diminished and you're, you're losing that, that love. So it's something that you have to fight for. 
and contend for. So I think it's the same way in your walk with the Lord, that if you don't have a set time and a set place where you're regularly meeting with the Lord on a daily basis, you meet with the Lord at that time, at that place, then, you know, you can, you can pray while you're driving in the car. But, you know, uh, I've, I've done that stuff before, you know, go back in time 30 years. I, I remember what it's like trying to, you know, this is my prayer time. I, I didn't pray in the morning or I won't pray at night. So I'll just pray while I'm driving in traffic or I'll pray while I, you know, I'm trying to, I'm trying to study and pray at the same time. <laughs> And, you know, you'll find out if you practice that philosophy, then there's going to be an element of victory that's going to be missing from your life because, uh, you know, you just go, you're going to have to stop and you're going to have to do the real thing. You're going to have to stop and you're just going to have to pray and spend time with the Lord. And all of these other things, uh, it's just supplemental stuff. Uh, and you can't live off the supplemental. You have to have the real thing. It's like trying to live off vitamins. Vitamins can have their place if there's something deficient in your diet. If you're eating a good diet, eating a good, good food, you really don't even need vitamins. But nevertheless, there can be supplements out there that can give a little help or a little boost. Uh, it's kind of funny also. Most people that are, uh, you know, in the strength training, weightlifting, whatever, they also know that also, the supplemental industry, a lot of, there's just so much fraud and scam and, and uh, you know, bogus claims in the supplemental in industry. It's all about generating money. Uh, and, you know, it doesn't really help you that much. The main thing is just eat good food. But my friends, really, in your walk with the Lord, you'll find if you have a set time where you, uh, when you pray, and you have a set place where you pray at, you'll have phenomenal results. But if you just uh, kind of float out there all the time and never really have a strong devotional life, uh, you'll see that you just can't have the depth of spirituality that you want in your life. And even here, we see through Old Testament examples, and also carrying into the New Testament as they, you know, that's all they knew at that time was what we know as the Old Testament scriptures. They had set times of prayer and it was at a set place. And so, you know, that was in their mindset. Now that's corporate. That doesn't include their private prayer life. This is what they would do together uh, as believers, as the people of God coming together at the temple at various times throughout the day. And I, I know people think, you know, well, Pastor Stephen, I, I work and I can't really break away and stuff like that. But everybody has their own schedule. And so you can find a place, a time that works for you where you can always have that established time alone with the Lord. And I find that when you do that, it works. And if you don't do that, the enemy, he'll break through the ranks. He'll, he'll just, he'll get through. So we have to not just have certain theories and philosophies. We really just want to practice what works. And if it doesn't work, I'm, I throw it out of my, you know, my repertoire. If it doesn't work, I'm just like, this is not working. I'm not, I'm not going to operate on that. I don't, I don't care what people say. I don't care if it sells books, if it doesn't work. And if it doesn't produce victory in my life, then I'm not going to follow that format. And I have found that just, quote, praying in the car. Now, I do pray in the car. I pray in tongues if I'm on a long drive or something like that. But that's not, that's not to, like, replace my prayer time. I must have my own personal devotional prayer life with the Lord. Now, if I choose to pray in the car after, after that, that's all good to go. That's all fine. You know, if I choose to pray in the Spirit while I'm washing my hair, that's cool. That's all fine. But if you're trying to make your prayer time, you know, the shower time when you're shampooing your hair, uh, you're going to have... You're going to have a, a huge element of strength missing from your walk with the Lord. Hallelujah. So let's talk about what works. Praise God. I believe having a set time and a set place 
works. It's proven, it's effective, and it's biblical. We see that in Acts chapter 3, verse 1. Now Peter and John went up together to the temple, okay, set place, at the hour of prayer, set time. Praise the Lord. Now we see this also with the prophet Daniel. Of course, Daniel, being an executive in the royal court, Daniel chapter 6, verse 10. Now when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went home. Okay, so he goes home. Okay, so we just looked at, in Acts chapter 3, verse 1, corporate prayer time. You know, when you do that together with other believers. But now we're looking at private, personal prayer time. So Daniel goes to his home, and in his upper room, with his windows open toward Jerusalem. And you don't have to open your windows toward Jerusalem. Back, uh, you know, today, you don't need to do that. Back in the days of Daniel... You know, the presence of the Lord was there uh, at the temple, and of course, much of the temple had been destroyed and, you know, ransacked because of the Babylonian invasion and so forth. But the presence of the Lord was in Jerusalem and in Jerusalem only. It's not like it is today where the Holy Spirit can be everywhere. So it was shut up there, particularly in Jerusalem. And so if you're going to seek the Lord back then, where you would look towards Jerusalem, because that's where God was at. Woo! Uh, I, I love the New Covenant so much better. And of course, we saw even in the book of Acts, they were, they were going up to the temple. Well, you don't have to go up to the temple, because the temple's not even there anymore. Uh, it's gone. So, you know, you could do that even if you wanted to. I guess you could go up to the Temple Mount. <laughs> but, you know, the temple is not there anymore. So the thing is, th things have changed. So you don't have to pray towards Jerusalem. But still, the the overall uh, thing of set time, set place is still effective. So he's in his upper room with his windows open toward Jerusalem. He knelt down on his knees three times that day and prayed. So that's very important. He got on his knees three times. To, you know, he has these, he has a set place at his home, uh, you know, over by the window. And he's got the set times. Uh, the set times would be these multiple times throughout the day. And so he's going to pray. And th this prayer time is not a time to, you know, check emails. This is, it says he prayed. It didn't say that, you know, he's over here working on documents also at the same time. And I think that's something that we always have to be careful about in our personal prayer life. I've, I've even seen people do it in corporate prayer. They're checking emails during uh, corporate prayer times. But I think if we're going to pray, we, we need to be praying, you know, because a person says, well, I can multitask. Well, you, you can. You know, it's possible you, maybe you could do seven or eight things all at the same time, and still somehow, you know, you're trying to pray, you know, while you're doing this and doing that, and got all kinds of stuff going on. But whatever you do, as unto the Lord, you should do it with all of your heart. And if you, you can't pray with all of your heart, all of your mind, all of it, all of your attention, all of your strength, while you're also over here texting or doing emails and stuff like that. So that's a big distraction for people. And, uh, you know, praying like that is better than not praying at all. But again, if you want good results, and we're just talking about stuff that works, stuff that doesn't. If you want good results, then you need to pray with your mind focused on the Lord and what you're praying about and not be doing other things. Praise the Lord. Glory to God. Well, Pastor Steve, but I can do other things at the same time. You probably can. Well, actually, we all could. But, but if you really want to enter in, you're going to have to be focused. Because you can imagine what it would be like if the Lord Jesus was sitting next to you while you're praying. Uh, trust me, if anybody can multitask, 
God can, okay? But you would want the Lord, if you know, you're talking to the Lord, you'd want him to be listening to you. You wouldn't want him to be reading the, you know, Encyclopedia Britannica while you're trying to talk to him. You'd be like, Lord, I'm trying to talk to you. Why? And the Lord says, well, I can multitask. Well, Lord, I know you can, but <laughs> so, so he gives you his attention. So we should give him our attention. Praise God. And that means focus while we're praying. Glory to the Lord. Now, we see here, again, Daniel chapter 6, verse 10, that Daniel had a set time. Now, if you commit to that set time, God will commit to it. Uh, if it means something to you, it'll mean something to the Lord. If you'll honor that as your special time with the Lord, God will honor that Woo! as your special time together. In other words, this becomes like a, a meeting point. Time place. This becomes a time where you and the Lord meet. Who praise the Lord. And the Lord likes that. And if it means, and if it means something to you, he likes that. If you anchor onto that, he'll be there. Praise the Lord. I think, I think it's easy to grieve the Holy Spirit from the perspective of, you know, Lord, I'll be there. And then you, you don't, you just don't show up, but the Lord was there waiting. Well, my friends, if we're going to be committed, I think we need to be committed. And I know that when you do, you get really good results. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Again, this is not legalism. Uh, but at the same time, we don't want to drift over into laziness. You know, so you're, you, you need to push yourself because your flesh, it's not, it's not like your flesh is ever going to rise up and say, today, yep, today we're going to really start to be spiritual and we're going to pray today. Your flesh will never do that. And your flesh will also want to, even if you are going to pray, it'll also want to do all of this other stuff, you know, such as get on your phone and stuff like that. Or, you know, I, I can, Pastor Stephen, I can pray in the spirit and watch football at the same time. Yeah, you can, but you're just, you're not, you're not going to have the, um, you're not going to get into the presence of the Lord like that. It's just not going to happen. And we're, again, I'm, I'm just, I've learned over the years, if it doesn't work, throw it out. If it's not effective, just throw it out. Don't use it and stick with what works. And what works is prayer where you're focused and your heart's into it. Your mind is into it. And you're there every time. Set place, set time. Lord, I'm here. Let's go. Praise the Lord. Woo. And you'll find out he'll show up. If you commit, he'll commit. Now, if you're not committed, he's not really committed either. You can just pray whenever you want. That's fine. He'll still hear your prayers, but but what I'm trying to say is you have a set time, set place. You go to a different level. You'll go to a totally different level with the Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Glory to God. Matthew chapter 6, verse 6. We see some more of these uh, principles laid out. Jesus said, but you, when you pray, not if you pray, but when you pray, Pastor Stephen, I, you know, it's not necessary that I pray. Well, if you just want to get to heaven, it's, it's not. I mean, you, there's all kinds of things that uh, as a Christian you can not do and still make heaven. There's all kinds of things that you probably could do that wouldn't be good that you, you know, you could repent and still make it to heaven. But, you know, I don't believe I'm preaching to that kind of a crowd. I, I will actually, I know I'm not. I'm preaching to people that want to serve the Lord and want to follow the Lord. And, and, and you know, it's not like they want to live as sinful as they can and still gain heaven. No, you want to get as close to the Lord as you can and get as far away from sin as you can. So that's, that's why we need to pray because you can go to heaven because you're saved by grace through faith. And you're not, you're not required to pray in a sense where, you know, well, Lord, I, I never prayed, but yet you still made heaven. Why? The grace of God. You called upon the name of the Lord. You put your faith and trust in Jesus, and he saved you. Whether you pray two minutes 
a day, and you don't do that, for, you never pray for the rest of your life, you're still going to make heaven because of God's grace. But again, we're not just trying to limp in to heaven. We're not trying to come in on the lowest possible level possible. We want to come in as overcomers. We want to come in victorious, and we want to come in with rewards, our rewards following us. Praise the Lord. And there's no way you can complete your, your assignment, your calling. There's no way you can step into the purpose that God has you has for you without prayer. It's just impossible. So these are things that we need to be dedicated to. But you, when you pray, go into your room. What is that? A set place. Go into your room. I think it's amazing because if you look at this in the Greek, uh, the word room in the Greek actually means inner room. It could also be translated as a private room. In other words, this is not just, you know, just go flop down somewhere. This is actually, in a sense, saying this is a dedicated place. You have a dedicated room. I would even probably think that in that room would be a dedicated chair that you would sit on. Or, you know, if you like to pray on your knees, that's fine too. Uh, whatever works for you, but you you have a little spot set up in there. That's your spot. Hallelujah. But you, when you pray, go into your room. Go into your room. See, that's that's the personal prayer life. We looked at the corporate. There's many examples of corporate prayer, but now we're looking at the personal prayer, and we see that there is a dedicated place. And when you have shut your door, pray to your Father who is in the secret place. And your father who sees in secret will reward you openly. Praise God. Today we're talking about set time, set place. And God really honors that. And you see it all throughout scriptures. You know, I think, I think that it's good to pray early in the morning. Again, that's not legalism. You don't have to if you don't want to. If that doesn't work for you, that's totally fine. But I think when you look throughout Scripture and you see the way that many of the great saints prayed, you would probably be encouraged to want to start shifting towards that mode. I do know that I'm speaking uh, to, to those that would also be working night shifts. You're thinking, well, Pastor Stephen, I can't pray at night. I'm at work. I understand. So you'll have to find some time during the day, uh, normally when you would sleep, and how that can work with your schedule as we're all running different schedules. So you have to find what works for you. But on a norm, it just it works really good if you get up early in the morning and pray, and you win the day before the day ever starts. Praise God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. And I think, I think we see a lot of this in Scripture. Genesis chapter 22, verse 3 says, So Abraham rose early in the morning. Okay, did you catch that? This is Abraham on one of the biggest days of his life. This is the sacrifice of his son Isaac. The, uh, you know, technically didn't sacrifice him, but it, in his heart, Abraham's heart, it was just as good as done. But on the one of the biggest days of his life, it says, So Abraham rose early in the morning, and saddled his donkey, and took two of his young men with him, and Isaac his son, and then they begin heading towards the destination where the sacrifice is going to be. But he rose early in the morning, and you'll see various scriptures pertaining to Abraham that, that just give reference to it. He was, a, he was an early bird. He, he got up early early in the morning. Woo! Praise the Lord. Is that your testimony? Are you just a person that just loves the bed? I remember what uh, the late apostle, Dr. Lester Sumrall said. He said, I hate beds. He said, I hate beds. But a lot of people would say, well, Pastor Stephen, I don't get it, you know. But that's because he had an assignment, an apostolic assignment, just to preach the gospel around the world. And, you know, when you have a true assignment from the Lord, and you know your assignment, and you're on it, uh, you, got a lot, you have a lot to do. And you're not going to love the bed either. Now, sleep is sweet, but that doesn't mean you need to be there for 9, 10, 11, 12 hours. 
you know, you, you're going to have to rise up and push yourself. Praise the Lord. And Abraham, he was up early. He rose early. What time is that? We're not told because, again, it's the avoidance of legalism. But at the same time, he's not lazy, is he? I see a lot of people cry, legalism, legalism. Uh, actually, what they're uh, also saying is we just want to be lazy and do the least as much possible to uh, still make heaven. But if you want to be obedient, uh, you know what? You're going to have to push yourself. The flesh does not want to get up. Let, let me say this. You'll get up for work. You'll get up to go earn an income. But a lot of people, if it, it came to getting up early to pray, you know, th their flesh does not want to do that. So what's going to have to happen? You're going to have to push yourself. And I'm talking about you. I'm talking about your spirit. Well, your spirit says, no, this is what we need to do. And this is, this is what we're going to step into. Praise God. Hallelujah. I think it's fascinating because Abraham was very wealthy. It tells us that in the Bible, uh, Genesis chapter 13, it says he was very wealthy, not just wealthy, very wealthy. And I was listening to an actually not listening to reading an interview that had happened uh, with Sam Walton, the founder of Walmart. And the interviewer asked him, he said, I, I've heard a rumor. He said, I don't know if it's true, but you're sitting in front of me so I can ask you. He said to Sam Walton, is it true that you get up at three o'clock in the morning? Sam Walton said, yes, it is true. I do get up at three o'clock in the morning because he explained that for him, by the time his competitors woke up, he has already worked a half day, and he's way ahead of them. And you know what? He's right. <laughs> There's no way as a competitor that you're going to catch that guy when he's just flat out outworking you. Uh, you know, there's, there's favor, there's the anointing, and, but all of those things work with, with, you know, good ethics, such as a good work ethic. And so if you have a person that's really hustling like that, he's also practicing biblical principles that's sowing and reaping good things. So, you know, here's Sam Walton getting up at three o'clock in the morning and his competitor gets up at eight o'clock. Well, yes, he's already, he has already completely done a half day. So there's no way a competitor is going to compete. He can even catch up with that level of determination and that level of commitment. And it became a, you know, multi-billionaire, but th stop and think about it again. There's a, there's a wealth connection. He was a Sam Walton early riser, three o'clock in the morning, multi-billionaire. So Abraham rose early in the morning. He's a very wealthy man. Praise the Lord. You need to get up early. Uh, there is a creative anointing that is released very early in the morning uh, while you're praying. Also, the Holy Spirit will help just uh, put that hedge of protection up, but it'll also give you insight on things that you are to accomplish for the day and the ways to get it done the smoothest and the easiest possible th that it can be done. I tell you what, all kinds of help available early in the morning. So we see that Abraham was an early riser. What about his son Isaac? Let's take a look. Genesis chapter 26. Genesis 26 verse 31. This is in reference to Isaac, he and Abimelech meeting. Verse 31, then they arose early. That would be Isaac and Abimelech. Then they arose early in the morning and swore an oath with one another. And Isaac sent them away and they, they departed from him in peace. He's getting business done early in the morning. And really most of the big movement on the stock market is all done early. If you're going to, if you're going to make the money, usually it's in the early morning sessions, uh, you know, where most of the money is the profits are made. The best profits are made early. And so here we see Isaac, the son of Abraham is also what an early riser. 
So Abraham was an early riser. Isaac was an early riser. What about Jacob, whose name was later changed to Israel? Wouldn't that be amazing if he also had the same traits and similarities? Praise God. Let's find out. Genesis chapter 28, verse 18. Then Jacob rose early in the morning and took the stone that he had put at his head, set it up as a pillar, and poured oil on top of it. So also, Jacob was an early riser. Now, think about the weight of this. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob all were early risers. Now, this is what some people would do in the, in, if they were like in Jacob's boat. Here, Jacob had just had a major encounter with the Lord, and out of that experience, he has been up much throughout the night. And so he probably just laid back down after that encounter, got a little rest, but still early in the morning, he's already back up again. But this is what some, some Christians would do today. They would think, well, I had a major encounter with the Lord last night. I really need to sleep it in and make up for that lost sleep. No, don't do that. You don't, you, you don't even need that. If you've just had a major, major encounter with the Lord, that anointing will be on you, and that supernatural strength will be on you. Just go ahead and get up. Get up early. Hallelujah. Glory to God. My friends, when the Hebrides revival took place, mainly between the years of 1948, late 1948 uh, through 1952, it ran, it ran a little over three years. Uh, and these were the inner and outer islands of Scotland, okay, uh, off the west, western side of Scotland. When the Hebrides revival broke out, and God began to sweep through villages and towns, it was a very unusual move of the Holy Spirit because 75% of the people that got saved and were born again through that revival got born again outside of church without ever having heard a message preached. It was because some people got together and prayed. God heard those prayers and honored those prayers, and God would sweep in and convict people in the dance halls, in the bars, on the streets, in their beds while they slept. And uh, you'd have the most unusual things happen. Duncan Campbell talked about how uh, he was asked to go down to the police station. He's like, what do I need to go to the police station for? They said, well, you, you should go down to the police station. He goes down there to the police station. I think it was like 2 o'clock in the morning. And there's 600 people standing there. And they all want to get saved. They all want to get right with God. And they're, they all are under the heavy, heavy conviction of sin. And so, uh, who told them? Nobody told them, but the Holy Spirit swept into their houses, and they just got up out of the bed in the middle of the night, didn't quite know where to go or what to do, and they ended up, ended up at the courthouse, and stuff like that would happen all over the place. One time, hundreds ended up out in the field, you know, just gathered in a field. Another time, they gathered at, uh, at various churches, just trying to get rid of the guilt, and they knew they were guilty, they were dirty, they were sinful, and they were seeking God for uh, deliverance. And of course, they found that deliverance through Christ and receiving Him as their Lord and Savior. But, you know, I've read some of the accounts of interviews with some of these people today that are in their 90s who were teenagers during the Hebrides revival. And they'll tell you some crazy stories. They'll tell you that for three years, for now, think about this, okay? I'm trying to get this into your spirit, not just into your head, but into your spirit. For the three plus years that that revival ran, most of them, not just some of them, most of them were living off two hours of sleep. That's it. 
The revivals would run to five o'clock in the morning. Sounds wild, doesn't it? And the human mind says, how? But it happened, and it's, it just it happened to thousands of people. The revivals would run sometimes till five, five in the morning. They would get out of the meeting, maybe at four. Some people had to walk 12 miles back to their house or something like that. By the time you get home, it's five o'clock in the morning. And they go. They all worked. Go to work at seven o'clock in the morning and work all day. And as soon as you get out of work, you know, as soon as you get off the clock at five o'clock or six o'clock, you're right back into another meeting. You're right back into another revival meeting. And this went on for three years. And uh, you know, it was just amazing. And you would think, well, how can people physically sustain that? Physically, you can't. But when you wait upon the Lord, when you're in the presence of the Lord, your strength is renewed, and it is supernatural. Isaiah forty. Talking about the renewing of strength. That is, a, that is a supernatural strength. Because even youths grow weak. That's talking about young Christians. You could be real strong and even real intellectual and real. But you know what? Your, your, your battery is going to go down. But spiritually, when you spend time with the Lord, you'll find you don't need as much sleep as you think you do. And you'll find that that missing prayer life. There it is right there. It's, it's, you could t- you could take that time. Praise the Lord. Now, of course, once your prayer life begins to get really rooted and established, you'll also realize that there's many things that that would try to attract us and, and pull us towards it that would just be time consumers. I think in America, one of the biggest distractions from walking with God is probably sports. Probably one of the biggest distractions in America, if not the world, you know, because a lot of people around the world are just engulfed with it. But sports there's Christians that can tell you the entire roster of an NFL team Uh, not just the guys that are starting even the ones on the bench they can tell you the depth they can tell you who's starting they can tell you who's injured they can tell you every single player on that team and they can't even they can't even name the 12 apostles they could they couldn't even quote the book uh, they couldn't even quote the New Testament if they had if their life depended on it they couldn't do it (laughs) why (laughs) why why they are working a law. It's a natural law, but it's also a spiritual law. They're actually working it against them. It's called the law of displacement. Uh, the law of displacement was, uh, really it's a law of how things float. But the law of displacement was given credit to the discovery of Archimedes. And he lived about, oh, maybe 250 years before Jesus was born. And he was a brilliant man, Greek uh, scientist, scholar, philosopher, but just total genius, mathematician. Uh, and he came up, came up with what's called the law of displacement. It's, it's today, it's, you know, how engineers figure out how to get the, white, the, the correct weight for a boat. Because you can take a, like a, a piece of iron, like an iron rod. You can throw it into the water, it's going to sink straight to the bottom. But if you change the structure and the, uh, if you change the shape of that iron and flatten it out and change the displacement of it, oh, it'll float. So uh, they begin to figure all these out and, uh, you know, mathematical formulas for it and stuff like that. But basically, law of displacement is this. Two things cannot fill the same space at the same time. And that's what struck Archimedes one time when he was getting into the bathtub. The bathtub was filled up with water, and he sits, he goes into the, the bathtub, and when he sits down into the water, the water is displaced and flows over the top, flows over the side. So he realized, okay, so two things cannot be taking up the same space at the same time. Fascinating. But it's like that with people's hearts. It's like that with people's attention. If you, if you have your mind so engulfed and so full with, uh, with all of this other stuff, then, then you cannot be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. In other words, you cannot be spiritual and carnal at the same time. 
It won't work. You cannot be a person who's full of faith and full of fear at the same time. You cannot have two things occupying the same space at the same time. Boo, glory to God. That's why it's very, very important to just give yourself to the things of God. And when you begin to give yourself to the things of God, you begin to tap into the supernatural. And one of the things that will begin to get adjusted is your sleep even. Praise the Lord. And God will, uh, he will, he will help you with your corporate prayer time. Those times when you pray together with other believers. And also when there's corporate prayer time, there needs to be always some type of oversight of prayer meetings. Prayer meetings that have no oversight, that, that don't, that don't have a minister around them, they usually end up getting kooky and goofy. So there needs to be uh, uh, some type of oversight at every prayer meeting. There needs to be a leader. If it's a prayer meeting under the banner of the church, there needs to be either an elder of the church there or a, you know, assistant pastor there or somebody that can be there to keep the prayer on track. Because sometimes people want to, um, uh, hijack things and take things into a direction that God doesn't want it to go or it turns into a gossip session or all kinds of goofy things happen uh, because the enemy tries to get in and tries to work in stuff like that so there needs to be proper protocol in prayer meetings praise the Lord glory to God but my friends if you'll really begin to give your heart to the Lord set time set place you'll um, you can work that law of displacement the right way it'll start working for you you start displacing the things of the world and you start filling yourself with the things of God and things really begin to turn in your life I was I was at a meeting one time um, Bob Jones was ministering this was in well I won't say the city I won't say where it was at but he was ministering and he he invited a group of people it was it was a lot of people come on up to the front and he said, I'll pray. He said, I'll pray a prayer, just one single prayer, like a corporate prayer. He said, I'll pray a prayer over you, and then you'll be able to go up in the spirit, and you'll be able to see things in the heavenly realm. Well, he, he prayed that prayer, and, uh, you know, he's, he has a prophet's mind. So, he, you know, for him, that catching up or that going up and seeing the glory realm, the heavenly realm, he, he, is so, he was so highly developed in that that it would be like a, the world's strongest man lifting a cup up. That, that, you know, no strain. You, just, you could do that any time. So he prays that prayer over a, a large group of people. And I was one of the pastors, not one of the pastors, I was one of the ministers hanging out with the pastor who was hosting the conference and Bob, uh, that Bob spoke at. So um, I'm kind of walking around at the front, kind of see what the reaction is and how things are going. And uh, there was a couple up front that he'd, he'd prayed for. And... Um, they were standing there and they were saying, nothing's happening. And they came over, they came over to me, uh, Brother Stephen, nothing's happening. We, we, we can't go up. And I thought, well, of course you can't go up. You have, you have, because I knew who they were. You have absolutely no prayer life. You, you hardly have any kind of a walk with God at all. And your, your mind and your life is filled with all kinds of baloney. You, you've got all kinds of the stuff of the world. The law of displacement, you're so full of the things of the world, you, you couldn't go up if two angels tried to throw you up right now. <laughs> Praise the Lord. I didn't like actually tell them that. I just kind of, kind of helped them. I said, it's okay. It's all right. You know, you'll get there. But um, so why, why can't people just move into that? Because you can't flip it like a switch. If you're not spiritual, you're not spiritual. If, if you're like a real carnal person, you just can't flip that, like turn a light on and somehow suddenly be spiritual and start prophesying and moving in the spirit. You can't. You can't. So you're, you're going to have to learn to displace 
these distractions and displace the desires of the flesh, the, you know, the cravings, the things that are out of bounds, according to God's Word. And you have to just really go after the Lord, and you start getting filled with the right things, the right things. And then you can respond. When there's an anointing, you can flow with it. When there is an utterance, you can speak it. Praise God. You, you just, you can move. Hallelujah. You can move in the Spirit. Glory to the Lord. But I just see throughout Scripture over and over, and these, this is just like a little surface talk today. This is just a little surface uh, touching the very, very top of it. It is amazing how, how, how early so many of God's great saints got up and they would seek God in prayer. This doesn't include the times they prayed during the other times of the day, or even at night. It doesn't even include that. Praise the Lord. But, but stop and think about that before we conclude today. The Hebrides revival. Some of the people that were in it, were caught up in it, swept up in it. They said, yeah, we lived off two hours of sleep, you know, a day. That's it. Two hours of sleep. Now, any scientist, sleep scientist would tell you that's impossible. Doctors would tell you that's humanly, it's humanly impossible. And it is. It is. But there is a walk with God. There is a realm in God where if you start going that direction, these things become a reality. And suddenly miracles don't seem so bizarre and weird. And they actually start to seem like, yeah, God can do this. Then you start seeing God breaking through in your life. And suddenly life becomes very exciting. Hallelujah. See, it says in the book of Proverbs that a foolish son sleeps during harvest. My friends, I need to let you know there's harvest all around you every single day. But you, you need to be up. You need to be at it because there's, there's, there's all kinds of blessings and miracles coming to you every day. But if you're not spiritual and you're not sensitive to the things of God, you can't pick it up. You wouldn't even notice it. It could be standing right in front of you, laid right before you, and you wouldn't even see it. Oh, yes, I would, Pastor Stephen. Not if you're carnal. No, you wouldn't. No, you wouldn't. Praise the Lord. I've been, I've been in places where the Spirit of God is moving, and some people, they're, they're just, uh, they just cannot flow with the Spirit. It's just like, it's like so foreign to them, they can't, even, they can't even pick it up, even though it's happening right around them. Amazing. Amazing. I can give many examples about that. But uh, my friends, all of these things are available for us, but we must possess them. We must move into them. And we must also possess ourselves from the perspective of don't let your body control your life. You are a spirit. You have a soul. You live in a body. Okay. Your body does need some sleep. Your body does need food and things like that. And, you know, I'm not an ascetic. I'm not some guy that's sleeping on a stone bed with a stone pillow. Okay. Uh, I enjoy nice things in life. But I know that there are certain things of God that if you want to step into them, there is sacrifice involved. And if you're not willing to meet certain sacrifices, those things will elude you. Woo! Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Mm-mm. Hallelujah. I remember uh, the story of the king of Israel. I actually just read this two days ago. In a battle. And they're, they're winning. Uh, but the opposing Gentile king, he's so upset and he hates Israel so much that he takes his oldest son, who was supposed to rule in his position once he passes on. He takes his eldest son and he sacrifices him on the top of the city wall in front of the Israeli soldiers. And when the Israeli soldiers saw that, it was so disgusting. It was such a filthy thing that they backed down. I had a pastor email me from the other side of the world. He said, Pastor Stephen, why did it stop Israel in their tracks? They, they could have overrun the enemy. But somehow when they saw that king sacrificed his son, it just froze Israel. He said, what happened? I said, sacrifice. 
I, I said, you can be a pagan, but you still can understand there's an element of sacrifice. And I, I think some of that understanding can be lost to the church. And just because you're Christian and you love the Lord and you're washed with the blood of Jesus doesn't mean you just automatically just you walk into these things and the door just springs wide open. No, there has to be sacrifice and commitment on your part or it'll just constantly elude you. Woo! Any Olympian who wins a gold medal will tell you that there's great sacrifice involved. You can't eat what you want to eat. You can't do what others do. You can't stay up late like others do. You're going to have to really come into a very stringent lifestyle if you want to win the gold medal. If you're not interested in that, you know, have fun. You know, there's, there's, you know, that's not for everybody. Maybe some people just, you know, don't want to pay that price. But spiritually, if you want to move into those things, there is a price tag to pray uh, to pay. Glory to the Lord. My friends, I, I pray that, that something I've said today will be a blessing to you. You can take some of these things and extract them, and you can consider it. Set time, set place. There's a real blessing in that, and you'll be surprised that if you make that commitment, God will make a commitment, and He'll meet you there. Woo! Mm, you might think, Pastor Stephen, what have I gotten myself into? Uh, something very fascinating. You know, we concluded the 21 days uh, of early morning prayer some of the emails were, I won't, exa- I won't over-exaggerate, some of the emails that I received from those who did it were just, uh, they, it was touching the area of spectacular, of some things that happened to them. And they're just like, I had no clue. Pastor Stephen, I had no clue this, almost like this other world that exists. When you get up real early like that and you spend time with God, they were just, just like blown away. Praise the Lord. But it's there. For any believer that would like to step into it, and you can have your own revival. How about that? You don't, you know, and, and all revivals are different. The Hebrides revival was solely focused on salvation, the conversion of sinners to Christ. There were no healings, although many of the leaders in that movement were spirit filled and were aware of divine healing. But there were that was not the Holy Spirit's emphasis. It was strictly salvation. You know, you had the 1950s healing revival. What was the focus? Divine healing. Okay. And so there's other times when there could be an other, another type of emphasis by the Holy Spirit. But that's, that's all God stuff. You can't force it. You can't, you know, you have to just go with what God's doing. And you ride that wave, whether it's a healing wave, whether it's a salvation wave. Well, Pastor Stephen, I think it should be this kind of wave. No, it'll be whatever God calls it. It'll be whatever God intends it to be. And if you ride that wave, you'll, you'll be blessed. If you try to fabricate your own thing, not much is going to happen. <laughs> but after all, God knows what He's doing. So get ready for the next move of the Spirit. Woo! I wonder what it'll be. I wonder what the emphasis will be. I wonder what the thrust will be. I think I have a few clues. But I think also there's a lot that God is reserving and He's keeping it under wrap. But I know it's going to be good, and I know that you will be blessed. Praise God. Now, let's take Holy Communion today. Praise the Lord. Please grab some unleavened bread and some grape juice. If you're watching this program today and you think, Pastor Stephen, I'm enjoying your teaching. Interesting things that you're saying, but yet you do not know Christ as your Lord and Savior. Then why don't you receive Him now? That way you could receive forgiveness of sins. You can have your life right with God because we're never promised tomorrow, but you can be right with God today and you can get everything 
the way it's supposed to be. If that's you, just pray this prayer after me. Say, Lord Jesus, I come before you as a sinner. I ask you to wash my sins away. I give you my heart. I repent of all of my sins, and I turn my life over to you. Jesus, write my name in your book of life. Thank you for saving me. I receive you now as my Lord and Savior. Praise God. Welcome to the family of God. Amen. God is so good. He is so faithful and just to save those who call upon Him. Okay, if you just prayed that prayer, you can take communion with us because you're now a member of the body of Christ. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the bread and the juice. We pray over it. We set it apart as holy. We thank you. This is now the flesh and the blood of our Savior, one of the great mysteries of the church. Thank you, Father. We give you all the praise. Father, when we look at it, we see, we see a wafer and we see juice, but we know that this is the body and the blood of our Savior. Thank you, Father. Thank you. Father, we receive the body of the Lord Jesus now with great thanksgiving. Lord, we receive grace also to seek your face. We thank you, Father God, as you, as you draw us, we're running after you. I pray for your people, Father, that there be establishment of set time, set place, so that their prayer life is much more effective, which will produce victory in their life. Father, we give you all the praise in Jesus' name. Let's partake together. Amen. Pastor Stephen, I'd like to be involved in revival. Pastor Stephen, I like Martin Luther. I like the Reformation. Me too. I like all of it. Martin Luther said, he made the quote, famous quote. He said, I have so much to do every day that I'll never get it done unless I spend at least three hours in prayer every morning. <clears throat> How about that? See, today the mentality is exactly the opposite. I've got so much to do, I don't have any time to pray. Am I talking to somebody today? You think, is that, is that your mentality? Pastor Stephen, I've got so much to do, I don't have time to pray. You'll, ne you'll never lead a reformation doing that. I don't even know if you'll, lead a, if you'll even lead a little, little league softball team. No. My friends, he said, I have so much to do that I'll never get it done unless I pray three hours every day in the morning, early in the morning. And out of that strong prayer, that anointing would come, and he would be able to flow and do what God had called him to do. Made a really good translation of the Bible also. Woo, hallelujah, into the German. Praise the Lord. And shook the world, praise God. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Father, thank you for the blood of Jesus. Thank you for forgiveness of sins. Father, I think about what Samuel prayed concerning Paul, excuse me, concerning the King Saul. He said, he basically said, Lord, it would be as he told Saul, it would be a sin if he did not pray for him. So Father, we thank you that to have a prayerless life is actually to have a sinful life. But Father, we thank you for the blood of Jesus. Lord, we ask for repentance for all the times that we gave our attention to empty, vain things when we could have had rich fellowship with you. Now, Father, we thank you. Let the law of displacement work in our favor. Woo! Hallelujah. Glory to you, Lord. Hallelujah. Let all the yucky stuff be displaced, and let us be filled with your very best, with all of your goodness. Lord, we just give you all the praise. Thank you for the blood of Jesus washing us, keeping us clean. 
Thank you for forgiveness of all sins and right standing with you on a continual basis. Thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's drink. Praise the Lord. Well, my friends, talk it over with the Lord. Find a good, a good time. Find a good place. 